0: Oh, I hear one over there. We have a taker. Thank you for playing. Now, since we are watching the movie Holes and talking about holes today, we thought that everybody should have donut holes. So we're going to have everybody gets a package, but don't open your package until I say one, two, three. So let's go. Let's get the donut holes Pass them out as well. Here they come. Just keep your package. I'll tell you what to look for whenever you get your package. We'll see who our winner is this week. The winner gets the movie holes. You get an NLCCP.com t-shirt. We're all about product placement. That's the latest thing, you know, product placement. We need to just have these things coming out in the movie theater and stuff like that. Uh, And you get two movie tickets. This is kind of funny. I went to buy the the movie passes, and and I, I told the girl behind the counter. I said, I need to buy some movie passes. She goes, Oh, we don't sell those. <laughs> I said, Okay. What do you, what do you sell? And she goes, Just a minute, I'll be back. She went back and asked, and she comes back. She said, We sell gift certificates. And I said, Are they individual? She goes, I'll be right back. So she goes and asks again, and I'm standing outside, sweating in the in the unbelievable heat. And finally, the manager comes in and says, Yes, we sell those. I mean, this is what I wanted was was the little, I don't care what you call it, just give me the pass that I can give away at church. Anyway, all right. Have we got donut holes? Yes. Everybody's got donut holes? Oh, we got some people got ripped off. Yes. Is that all of them? Yeah. Oh, well, you got too bad. Oh man. You see, you see how some people rate. Ah, oh, I don't know how. I didn't I didn't have control of that. Okay. Those lucky ones who got donut holes, um, You'll be the envy of the others. Open up your donut hole case and see if you got two movie passes or gift certificates, as they're called at the Shulman Theaters. Who got them? They're red. Oh, there we go. Jason and Jamie got two free. You get a date night on us. You also get an NLCCP.com T-shirt. Wear it with pride. You get the movie Holes. include (laughs) Include the babysitter. We could probably work something out on that. Y'all have four, four under the age of four under the age of six. So if you would like to help out with a date night, you understand if you have any children, you understand that uh, sometimes mom and dad need a date, a date night. We try to get that into our kids. All right, let's move into this. I want to read you a verse. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse five. What we're going to look at today is perhaps some of the most misunderstood teaching from the scripture. And so let's just look at what what the Bible says in Exodus 20, verse 5. Do not bow down to any idol or worship it, because I am the Lord your God and I tolerate no rivals. That part we understand. Don't worship idols. God says, I am the only one. It's the next part that gets a little bit um, confusing sometimes. I bring punishment on those who hate me and on their descendants down to the third and fourth generation. I remember in it, being raised in a hellfire and brimstone church and hearing these verses when I was a kid and being scared to death that something my dad did or my granddad or my great-great-granddad could, could make God mad at me and, and force me to suffer the consequences of something somebody else did. And I guess in a sense that's right, but here's the deal. Here's the point that I want you to take away from today. I'm not guilty of my father's sin. If I commit the same sin, if I choose to commit the same sin, then I become guilty of my father's sin. But just because my father's sin does not make me guilty. Just because I'm born into the world doesn't make me guilty of sin. If I have a sin nature, which means you don't have to teach me what to do wrong. I figure that out quite easily. Babies figure that out easily. You have to teach them what to do right. But babies are not guilty of sin because they're born. They're guilty of sin because they choose to sin. Does that make sense? All right. And and babies don't usually sin. We don't. God doesn't hold them accountable for things that they don't understand. (laughs) They're just being childish. Now, when they get older and they can know right from wrong and they choose to sin, that's when it becomes a sin. You see, I think the environment that we grow up in predisposes us to make certain choices. Let me give you an example. Um, If your parents are poor managers of money, just being in that environment 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, it lends itself... To you growing up and being a poor money manager. Or how about this? Parenting skills. Have you ever said, when you were a child or when you were growing up, when you were a teenager, have you ever said, I'll never do that to my children. I'll never say that to my children. Only to find out when those little precious bundles of joy come into the world that the thing you said you'd never say pops out of your mouth whenever you're under pressure. Or you react that same way. I am like my dad. And in most ways, that is excellent. I consider that a compliment. But there are some negative things that I'm like my dad as well that drive me nuts. And I don't want to do that. And when I'm under pressure, that stuff comes out. And, and what happens is we become like our parents because we're in this environment so long for 18 years, at least. Some of us longer than that. Some of us. Anyway, we won't go there. Um. <laughs> But but we become like our parents until someone says, I want to stop this cycle. I want to be the one who says no more. And so if, if you have a predisposition to alcoholism, somebody's got to step up and say, no, I'm not going to be the one anymore or drugs or whatever it is. And, and God offers a way to help with that. And, and see, here's why I believe that. Look at the next verse. Exodus 20, verse six, very next verse. God says, but I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. Now, here's what I think. And, and if you study the scripture, you'll see this. When my father chooses to sin, he brings me up in an atmosphere of sin. And I'm going to pay the consequences because I'm in the atmosphere of sin. For example, in the Old Testament, um, God kept telling the, the Israelites, do not sin, obey me, or I will destroy you and let you be taken captive by another nation. They kept disobeying. Read Judges. It happens over and over again in Judges. Eventually, all of Israel falls, and they're taken captive by the Babylonians. And so, uh, Nehemiah, who we're studying the first Wednesday of each month, Nehemiah was probably born in captivity. Was it Nehemiah's sin that caused Israel to fall? No. But he was paying the consequences for his ancestors, his predecessors' sin. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, with that as a background, God says anyone that chooses to follow him, he'll bless them, obey his commands, and his blessing will go much further than your sin. Does that make sense? A thousand generations will be blessed if you obey God. Third or fourth generation will be affected if you disobey God. All right. Now, with that in mind, let's consider holes and let's look at this generational curse thing.
1: long time. My grandpa standing in the last second said it's all because of this 150-year-old curse. Now I don't really believe in the family curse, but when things go wrong, it kinda of helps to name on something. And for me things went wrong like lot. Grandpa says her destiny is sealed. A pair of shoes falling from the sky leaning on my destiny. You see, my father, Stanley, the last third, is an inventor. And for the last few years, he's been trying to find a cure. The foot of it. I'm This whole floor is like sinky feet. I love it. I'm not going to talk to our lawyers. You're going to be stuck with your everlasting Let me see that. Why not? Because <laughs> you're going to get some more. Now, that is a fine pair of shoes. Could I just smell your shoe? How do you do shoe off I just why do we stand? Just a matter of all, where are you go? There's wards, there's wards, there's another hole in the court. Uh huh. Yeah. We share the room. How do you know that's not mine? Which break is yours? You don't have to answer that. We have the right to remain silent. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? To see you? All because you're no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing, great, 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 papa. There's no curse on this thing. There's on the name. If only, if only the woodpecker said, and, and the bark the tree was as soft oh, as the sky. my table? i the
0: anyway. All right. How many of you have seen this movie, Holes? Okay, about maybe half. Uh, great movie. Janie and I uh, really like it. You guys get to see it for free anytime you want to now. Um, we really like this movie. Now, <laughs> I like what he said. I don't really believe in the family curse, but when things go wrong, it kind of helps if you can blame it on something. You ever needed something that you could blame the problems in your life on so that you don't have to look in the mirror and blame it on yourself? <laughs> that's what we tend to do. Um, he said, then, for me, things went wrong a lot. Now, he's Stanley Yelnats IV. Personally, I think that's kind of a curse. If you're gonna, And, and the way they got it is Yelnats is Stanley spelled backwards, and so... Three generations prior, they figured that out and they named all of the boys Stanley Yelnats and, and they added a number on. Now, Grandpa in this movie is very pessimistic and he says, our destiny is sealed. Now, I want you to think about that. If our destiny is sealed, what that means is we go through life and we kind of just exist and whatever happens, happens. And if it's bad, we complain and we whine and we moan about it. If it's good, you know, I guess maybe we had some good luck, but probably destiny is going to bring us back around to the bad luck side. And, and that just... That seems to raise a bunch of victims, and it seems to be the pattern in America. We we come up with new diseases to blame poor choices. Really, what we all call this stupidity. Um, we're going to do some studying in, in Proverbs in, in a while. Um, and, and Proverbs uh, contrast wisdom with foolishness and the wise with fools. And really what we've got to admit a lot of times is we're just fools. We just do stupid stuff. And uh, we try to blame it on other things. Now, here is the explanation. Now, Stanley says, I don't believe in curses and family curses, but here's the explanation from Granddad about this 150 year old curse. It was all because of your no good, great great grandpa, and he, young
1: man. It started in a little village in Matthew. He was gambling in Morris Mackie's barns. When Myra, and his beautiful daughter, walked by. <laughs> and that was it. So what does your great-great-grandfather do? He you know, so goes to a fortune teller, uh, Zeroni, for advice. Oh, do you think of him is Myra and Nancy. No, that's when our troubles began. Listen to my grandfather. You should go forever. Hmm. That's when I'm coming. your future. Not where <laughs> Mr. Mike, I would like your permission to marry a daughter. You do! Rigger Bartkoff has opened his first steel What do you got? A heart full <to> of love. He's just a boy! <laughs> <laughs> or it may be in a walk. Okay, here's what you do. Take it inside. But it's all popping. So it will grow. Every day, you carry the feet up the mountain. Make it rinse the water from the sea. Why? Only, only, the hickory The bark on the tree, was at the top. While yes. the wolf sits below, hungry, and he cries, While I drink, so I can get strong too. <laughs> but if you forget to come back for nothing, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternally.
0: because of my dirty, rotten, no good pig stealing, great, great grandfather. That's why I have to dig holes. <laughs> now, in this case, the problem started with a young man yearning for a young woman. And uh, I know a lot of people believe that's how all problems in the world start. It's not all problems. It seems like many. Um, but most of our problems are caused by our own choices, our own poor decisions. But a curse, that's just a convenient excuse Now, I want you to look at what the Bible says about curses, and then you can choose whether you're going to believe Grandpa Yelmat or God. Here's what it says in Proverbs 26, 2. You have as little to fear from an undeserved curse as from the dart of a wren or the swoop of a swallow. Now, there's one or two of you that have bird issues in our congregation, but most of you do not have bird issues. Sorry, that's an inside joke. You can ask around. Um, (laughs) Anyway... If you go outside and you see a little swallow darting in the sky, how many of you are afraid of it? You may be afraid of what comes out of it, but you're not afraid of the bird itself, right? And so the Bible says, if you are not deserving of a curse, and really the only one we have to be afraid of is God. When we disobey God and we're cursed by God, that's the problem. Um, Jesus said, don't be afraid of men who can do nothing to you. He said, be afraid of God, who has the power to curse your soul to hell. Now, if you're if you're not... Um, Doing anything wrong, then you don't have to worry about a curse from God. Life is just a series of problem-solving opportunities, and the problems you face will either defeat you or um, they'll develop you, depending on how you respond to them. Most people fail to see how God wants to use the problems in their lives to develop them. Um, And so they react foolishly, they resent their problems, they get mad at God, rather than uh, pausing to consider what benefit they might have. Here's the deal. God has a purpose for every problem you will face. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus, the founder of Christianity, said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, of overcome the world. So if our founder says we're going to have trouble, we're probably going to have trouble. Now, his half-brother, James, who wrote the, the book in the New Testament that bears his name, added that problems are impartial, they're unpredictable, and they come in many flavors, And then Peter, one of the inner circle of Jesus, there were three that he took everywhere. Peter, James and John, a different James there. Peter says that um, uh, that they're normal. And here's what he says in in first Peter 412. Don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead, for this is no strange, unusual thing that is happening to you. So, no one gets a a free pass in this world. No one is immune to pain. We're all going to go through suffering. So, if it's not optional, maybe we ought to figure out what to do with it. Alright, there are four types of problems that the Bible tells us that we uh, can expect in our life. Number one is trials. Now, these are real important. You've got to get these definitions down if you're going to figure out what's going on in your life. Trials are designed by God to draw us closer to Him and build our character. Kind of like exercising a muscle. If you don't exercise it... Um, then you lose that, the, the strength and that muscle. Number two are temptations. Temptations are designed by the devil, God's enemy, to draw us away from God and destroy our character. Three is trespasses. These are hurts caused by the sins of others. The easiest way I, I think of this is um, in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So trespasses are things other people do to you. And the last one is what we're just going to call troubles. These are usually, but not always, the consequences of our sin, our own sinful choices. Now, Proverbs, and I, I love this book. This is what I'm studying in my, in my personal devotional time right now, is the book of Proverbs. And I am getting hammered day and night by Proverbs. Um, such, such wisdom from God. As a matter of fact, uh, verse 1-7, Proverbs seven says, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. My, my children and I have been studying this together, and we're talking about what that means. Um, In Proverbs, there's all kinds of wisdom for you. It talks about all kinds of sins that will get us into trouble. Um, It talks about impatience, dishonesty, selfishness, adultery, um, hot-temperedness, and even talking too much. (laughs) Talking too much ever got you in trouble? The Bible says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. So times when you're thinking of saying something bad, but you keep silent, even though you're a fool on the inside, you look wise from the outside. The Bible is smart. And we just would apply these things to our lives. Now, it also tells us in Proverbs that wisdom will keep us out of trouble. So you've got a choice to make whenever you have problems come into your life. You can choose to go God's way or you can choose to go the grandpa's way, Grandpa Yelnat's way. And, and if you choose to ignore God's principles, you will suffer the consequences because the law of the harvest says whatever you plant, that's what you reap. If you sow trouble, you're going to reap trouble. If you sow obedience to God, God will bless you. Now, people often um, confuse these four types of problems in their life. So what they'll do is they'll blame God for the natural consequences of their own stupid choices. Because we don't like saying we made a stupid choice. We'd rather blame somebody else. Or they'll blame the devil when God brings a trial into your life that's designed to strengthen you and make you look more like Christ. God never tempts us to sin, we're told in the book of James. Never. But he tests our character and our faith all the time. So we just got to get ready for it. So when you face a problem, you need to try to determine the source of that problem. Here's an example. Jonah encountered a storm on a boat because he disobeyed God. God said, go this way. Jonah went another way. He gets in a big storm. He's in trouble. But the disciples, well, Paul encountered a storm because other people disobeyed God. Paul said, I've had a vision from God. We're not supposed to go on this boat. If you go on the boat, we're going to get into a storm. It's going to be destroyed. Sure enough, they get on the boat. It's destroyed. The disciples, though, got into a boat and they got into a storm because they obeyed God. Three different examples. Jesus said, get in the boat, go to the other side of the shore, I'll meet you there. Remember, that's when the, the waves were so bad that they thought they were going to drown and they cried out to God. They saw him walking by and they thought he was a ghost and he comes in and says, peace be still and it's perfectly still and they fall down and worship God. They were in a storm because they obeyed God. So we need to figure out what the source is because every trouble, has, has we need to have a different response to it. So the storms in life can be a trial, a temptation, a trespass, or a troubling consequence. And, and each one requires a different response. Trouble, if it's your own fault, you know what you need to do? You need to fess up to God and say, God, I blew it. Repent means you change your mind, which then changes your actions. So you have a different outcome in life. Now, if it's a temptation, you should resist it. Um, and, and, and matter of fact, a lot of times you just run away from it. Um, that's what Joseph did in the Old Testament. Whenever Potiphar's wife, it says, was throwing herself at him day after day. One day she grabs him there in the house. She grabs him. He literally runs away. She holds on to his robe, runs away. He's out in his underwear running outside, but he's away from the temptation. <laughs> he ran from that temptation. Um, a lot of us try to stay there and then we succumb to that temptation because we're not strong enough to resist it. If it's a trespass against you by others, you know what the Bible tells us to do? Release them and forgive them. Because when you're bitter towards somebody, all it does is eat you up. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. And if it's a trouble or if it's a trial that comes from God, you know what you need to do? And y'all not going to like this. Relax. Relax. I used to hate it when my coaches would make me run wind sprints. I hated it. They'd get the little timer out and if you didn't get it in a certain amount of time, you had to run again. So you better believe I ran hard enough every time. I'd be sucking wind. I would hurt. I remember my lungs would be burning and my ribs. I would want to reach in and pull my ribs out. Uh, You know, I just couldn't get enough air in my lungs. You know why they did that? So that on Friday night, I'd be prepared for a football game or a basketball game. The pain that we're under, God has designed for good in our lives, but we got to let him handle it. Psalm 119, 71, 72 says, my troubles turned out for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. Truth from your mouth means more to me than striking it rich in a gold mine. Now, there are five ways that God wants to use problems in your life. And let's run through these real quickly. First one is God uses problems to direct you. Now, in the movie, there's even a positive spin on problems. Um, Stanley goes to this boy's correctional facility and Mr. Sir explains the purpose of digging holes. Here it is. And then the
1: girl's to go one of the big here. Now if you find anything interesting, you're to report it to me or to The more than what you find, you get the rest of the day off. Well, just do that, you're not looking for anything. You're building character. You take a bad boy, make him do almost all day in the hot sun, and it turns him into a good boy. <laughs> That's our philosophy here at Camp Reinfeld. Thank One down,
0: in the That's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. You take a bad boy, you make him dig, hot, dig holes in the hot sun all day, and it turns him into a good boy. Well, not necessarily. Um, because what happens if you take a, um, a bad boy with a bad attitude and make him dig holes for 18 months in the sun? You get, you get finished and you have a bitter boy. One who's decided that all society is against him. Mr. Sir has, has ulterior motives. He's trying to find treasure. But, it, but the company line, that's our philosophy here at Camp Green Lake, is we're going to make you a good boy by digging holes. And, uh, but you can take a boy right next to him who's digging holes for the same 18 months, and that boy becomes better instead of bitter. What's the difference? It's his attitude. It's the way he chooses to respond to what's going on in his life. One gets better, one gets bitter. And it's the same way in real life. You look at two people going through the same problems. One will get better, one will get better. And it's their attitude that determines uh, which one they do. Would you agree with this statement? Sometimes God needs to light a fire under you in order to motivate you to change. Is that a true or false statement? This is, this is participation because I'm not sure you're still out there. Uh, every time we turn the lights out, I've got to wonder about you. So here's the statement again. Sometimes God must light a fire under you in order to motivate you to change your ways. True or false? True. Thank you for playing. I I like it when you talk back to me Um, now. Here's the deal. Here's what here's what the Bible says. Problems sometimes point us in a new direction. Here's what it says. Proverbs 2030. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Does that ever happen? You, you need to do a repair on your house or on your car or something. You will go... Now, this is men. I'm not necessarily saying the women. Sometimes you'll go and you'll just look at that problem and just eventually ignore it until you can't ignore it anymore. Happened to my truck. Um, my truck kept overheating. I just kept pouring water in. And I knew what the deal was. I knew the head gasket was going or was gone. And sure enough, i would just been without my truck for about a month now because... Almost everything in my truck is new in the engine compartment because I just kept waiting and kept waiting, thinking, I don't want to pay that money. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So now I have my truck runs well now, but it took a painful situation, which the thing was was gone. I couldn't drive it anymore. I couldn't trust it anymore. Here's the second way God wants to use problems in your life. He wants to use problems to inspect you, to inspect you. People are like tea bags. If you want to know what's inside them, drop them in hot water. How do you react in hot water? That shows what you really like. I'll never forget one time I was driving with my mom early on in my driving career and someone backed out in front of me and I just popped out an expletive. Didn't even think about it. Just it shot out of my mouth. And my mom, I mean, then I froze. I grabbed the steering wheel and thought, oh, my goodness. And mom looks at me. And she goes, so that's how we talk around our friends. do And I'm like, oh, no, man, I don't talk. About it. Yeah, it was. Put me in a stressful situation, out it popped. You find out what people are like whenever they're in tough situations. Has God ever tested your faith with a problem? If he hasn't, he's going to. Look what James 1, 2 and 3 says. When when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy because you know that these troubles test your faith and this will give you patience. What do your problems reveal about you? If you want to know, ask your family and your friends. They'll tell you if they're honest with you. Number three, God uses problems to correct you. Some lessons we only learn through pain and failure. It's like, you know, when you were a child, your parents told you not to touch the hot pot on the stove. What did ninety nine point nine percent of you have to do in order to learn the truth of that lesson? Hot. You very quickly learn the meaning of hot once you touch it and you don't want to touch hot anymore. But you had to learn the hard way, didn't you? Um, Sometimes you don't learn the value of something Health. Money, a relationship until it's gone. And uh, you learn by losing it. That's what happens here in this scene. Destiny was stupidity. I mean, this is one of those, if you go back and look at the four types of troubles, he had trouble in his life because someone else made a stupid choice. Hector Zeroni decides to steal these these famous pair of shoes, and, and he doesn't learn his lesson, though, whenever the police are chasing him. What does he do? The next day, he goes to pay less and steals another one. So God had to get His attention and use His own problems to get His attention. And that's what the Bible says. We're going to look at a different translation of Psalm 119, 71 and 72. It was the best thing that could have happened to me for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. What I tell my children, what I've told teenagers when I was in youth ministry was, I'm not so worried about your past unless you repeat the same mistakes you've always made. Then that's showing foolishness. If you learn from your mistakes, then the Bible calls that wisdom. And God can can begin to trust you. But if you do the same thing over and over again, you keep making the same stupid mistakes. There's a problem that needs to be fixed. There's another way God wants to use problems, and that is to protect you. Now, sometimes we don't realize that a problem can be a a blessing in disguise if it prevents prevents us from being harmed by someone or something else. A few years ago, a man was fired from his job because he refused to do something unethical that his boss wanted him to do. And, and it was a problem, him being fired, him being unemployed. But it saved him a year later when his boss was indicted and sent to prison. That employee would have been sent to prison as well. A year later, he saw the wisdom of God. By protecting him, he, he showed integrity. God protected him in this problem. Genesis fifty twenty. Joseph says this, he says it to his brothers who sold him into slavery, who meant to destroy him. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. So God can use problems to protect you. And then the last one, God can use problems to perfect you, perfect you problems when responded to correctly become character builders. God is far more... We say this all the time around here, so just some of you can repeat it. God is far more interested in your character than He is in your comfort. Anytime God's got to choose character, comfort, character, He's going to choose your character. Because God knows you can't take your comfort with you to heaven. The only thing you're going to take with you after this life, with your soul, is your character into heaven. And so this whole life that we're living is, is a, a trial run where God is trying to perfect our character so that we... We carry into heaven something that looks very much like Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to, um, to watch Stanley in this scene. It's right after Hector has told him, I stole the shoes, it's my fault. And I want you to see how the pessimism has changed to something that's very positive. God's thumb is the name of the mountain that they're on because supposedly it resembles God's thumb. And and I like that line. I just There's several great lines in this movie. We watched it a number of times. But he says, I'm glad you stole those shoes and threw them on my head. <laughs> he wouldn't have said that at the beginning. At the beginning, he thought it was his curse. It's because of my no-good, dirty, running, pig-stealing, great-great-grandfather. That's why I'm digging holes. But at the end, he says, I'm glad because none of this would have happened. He and Hector become great friends. It's, it's just got a very good story to it. Um, but there's... In my opinion, there's no such thing as a family curse. If somebody comes to you and, and tries to put a curse on you, remember what the Bible says. If you don't deserve a curse, you worry about it about as much as you do as, a, as the sparrows that are out flitting around in the air. Don't worry about that curse. I got a phone call this week from a teenager that was in my youth group over 15 years ago from Austin. And I was in the middle of studying for this. And it's just remarkable to me how God, God has this neat timing. Because... He calls me up and I hear Janie saying, Ryan Overfell. Yeah, I know that name. So I go and answer. I say, Ryan, what are you doing, man? He and I had a great relationship. He came from kind of a troubled home. Um, his parents didn't go to church. He drove 30 minutes to get to our church. He was part of our youth group. We did all kinds of different stuff. He was in a musical one time. He had the lead in a musical. Pretty funny deal. Just a stud athlete. Good looking kid. And, um, and he got in a lot of trouble with girls. He, he got a girl pregnant. Um, they got married. And he was telling me what has happened since. I saw him at a funeral years ago, and he was, he was still making some bad decisions. And, and anyway, so he calls me and he says, he goes, hey, man, I was talking to somebody. Your name came up. I just thought I needed to call and tell you what's been going on in my life. And he told me about this. He, he gets married to this girl that, that he got pregnant. And a couple of years into the marriage, he catches her having an affair with somebody else. They divorce. He's just devastated. He thinks, you know, life is just pretty much over. They had a, a daughter um, at, by this time, and... Uh, he said he went through a painful divorce and he only got to see his daughter on Wednesdays and on Fridays. So he goes, Man, I got to see her six days a month. And he said, Every other day that I didn't have my daughter, I was wasted drunk. He said, I just hate it. And he said, One day I was looking at my daughter when I was sober. I was looking at my daughter and he said, For her sake, I either got to get busy living or get busy dying. He said, I got to make a choice. And he said, I decided to get busy living. And so he starts telling me about, he, he fought for custody of his daughter. Starts telling me that he got back in church and, and that they go to church every weekend because his, his former wife doesn't believe in the church thing and doesn't want to take the daughter. So he's taking responsibility to take his daughter. She's now six years old. He was telling me all about this. She recently accepted Christ and was about to be baptized. And he was telling me all this stuff. And he goes, and guess what, man? He goes, I'm one of the G-force leaders in our children's. Uh, ministry at church. I said, dude, we use G Force. He goes, Well you know the goofy sidekick, the part that Ryan plays downstairs. That's what Ryan, this this Ryan Overfeld. That's what he's doing now. And I was going, man, God has used what's happened in your life. You've chosen to to let God put a positive spin on it. He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, I have my own um um pesticide business now. He goes, let me tell you what God's done three years ago, this was before his divorce Three years ago, he's, he's spraying at a house and a man is talking to him. And no, this, I'm sorry, this is right after his divorce. Man's talking to him and he said, man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of down because my wife cheated. She had an affair and, and we got a divorce. And the guy said, wow, that's really tough. Didn't think much of it. Didn't see the guy for three years. Went just recently to the guy's house and the guy just opens up and pours out his heart. And he goes, I just caught my wife having an affair. And Ryan said, well, let me tell you how God walked me through it do. And he said, not only that, he said, I had another appointment afterwards. He said, as I'm driving to this man's house before I get there, the lady who, who was after him calls me and reschedules the appointment. He said, that was a God thing. He knew I was going to have to spend some extra time telling this man how God had, had brought my life about. Then he tells about this other lady who was going through a tough time. He just, I'm going, dude, God is just bringing you to all of these people through a pesticide business. I said, it's not an accident. That you're getting into these homes and you're meeting people and you're telling them about God. He goes, I know. And I said, dude, you are on, you are moving full speed towards God. And I said, that's awesome. Because you're allowing God to take your pain. And I said, God will take the biggest mistakes in your past. And if you let him, he'll allow that to be a connection point with other people. Because I said, dude, who would be the best person to be a counselor for someone who's gone through divorce? And I said, someone who's gone through divorce. They know what it's like. Who would be the best person um, to counsel girls about an abortion? Someone who's gone through an abortion. And, And that's a huge mistake that people make. But it's not a mistake that Jesus Christ can't redeem. When he died on the cross, his blood was shed so that all of us, all of our sins could be forgiven. And your most painful mistake, your biggest problems, God will use that to bring people to Christ if you let him. But the choice is yours. You can get bitter or you can get better. Ryan chose to get better. He's a living example of this verse, Romans 5, 3 and 4. We can rejoice when we run into problems. They help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and our faith are strong and steady. That's where we're trying to get. That's where God's trying to get us so that our faith is not something we talk about on Sundays. Our faith is something we live out every day of the week. And people begin to see that, and they see a hope in you. They see a radiance in you. I've told the story about there's a 90-year-old woman at the Altera Sterling house. When I go in there, that woman is the happiest person I've ever seen. Hugs me, kisses me, and says, I pray for you every day, Doug. Did you know that I pray for you? I said, yes, ma'am, I know that. This lady has lost children. She lost a child at the age of three on a, in a drilling rig accident. She lost a grandson when he was 11 to leukemia. She just lost a great-grandson a few years ago in a car accident outside a church service. She has had unbelievable pain and suffering in her life. And she's one of the sweetest, most caring, peace-filled, joy-filled people I've ever met. Why? Because she didn't get bitter. She allowed God to take that pain and to make her better. So the choice is yours. Take your registration cards real quickly if you would. And just...